This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to the morning break with Graham Stanley. Today, I'm very excited to have as a special guest on my show, Raquel Ribeiro from Brazil. We'll be talking about virtual reality, augmented reality, and the metaverse. Please join me live if you can, and join in the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to the morning break, everybody. I'm Graham speaking to you live from Mexico City on Tuesday, the 1st of March, 2022. On today's show, I've invited Brazilian educator, English teacher, writer and lecturer Raquel Rabeiro to talk to me about virtual reality, VR, augmented reality, AR and the metaverse and what that might mean for education, particularly when it comes to teaching and learning languages. If you are listening live and would like to join us live, either to post questions for Raquel to answer or to actually call in, then please download the Podbean app, visit ttradio.org and click on listen live on the homepage. This should take you directly into the show and there you can post comments and ask questions during our conversation. Once I've spoken to Raquel about her work and views on using VR, AR, and the promise of the metaverse, I'll open up uh, to callers if you want to join us. Um, Now, you can call in by pressing the icon at the top of the screen on your phone's app once you're in Podbean. Click this, and I'll be able to connect you in. So I'll be talking to Raquel uh, right after the Teacher Talk Radio News. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon is facing demands to drop her £300,000 scheme to cut the bottom off doors, aimed at improving ventilation to combat COVID-19. Asbestos experts have warned that the plan could expose pupils and teachers to deadly dust. A 2019 report revealed that about 1,600 Scottish schools still have asbestos fixtures and fittings, including fire doors. Asbestos was banned in 1999. Director of Action on Asbestos Phyllis Craig said, Asbestos can be found within doors and in different areas in schools. And I would sincerely hope that this is taken into consideration before any work is carried out. Schools are required to have had a survey to identify the presence of any asbestos, hold a register of the whereabouts of any asbestos, and have a plan to manage asbestos. My question is, Does the Scottish Government know if schools meet these requirements before any work is carried out? If not, I'd be concerned asbestos may be disturbed during the process of cutting the doors. Asbestos exposure can have health consequences decades after exposure, and this needs to be recognised and treated with the seriousness that it merits. After safety concerns were raised, Education Secretary Shirley-Anne Somerville appeared to back away from plans, but they have not officially been dropped. A Scottish Government spokesman appeared to pass responsibility on to the local authorities, saying, There is no such plan. It is for local authorities to decide what measures they take to improve ventilation in schools. In Northern Ireland, legal action has forced education chiefs into a U-turn and a return to rules which were in place last autumn, which allowed any teacher who qualified in the South to immediately register with the General Teaching Council for Northern Ireland. Kirsty McGrath, who graduated in Dublin last summer, took action after rules were changed and Michelle McElveen, class teachers from the Republic of Ireland, as rest of the world, resulting in a lengthy wait. 
Miss McGrath, through her solicitors, wrote to the Department of Education, outlining their intention to seek a judicial review and as a result was added to the Northern Ireland Teacher Register last week. Patrick Higgins, solicitor, welcomed the decision, saying, The failure of the Department of Education to process Ms McGrath's application is unlawful and unreasonable. With a teacher shortage in Northern Ireland, this continued delay is impacting pupils, schools and teachers. Although it was named in legal papers, the Department of Education has denied it or Minister McElveen has any role on determining who can be a teacher in Northern Ireland. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm addressing a problem quite a few teachers have, the dreaded lock screen in the middle of a lesson. We've all experienced it when you're displaying something and the computer decides you're inactive and goes to sleep. I notice this most if you're using digital ink instead of a whiteboard. Well, I may have a way to stop this happening to you. However, it will depend on your school's network settings. You might not be allowed to change the options I'm about to discuss. A quick workaround for this is to see if your display has a freeze button. This will hold whatever's being shown until you unfreeze. Lock screen happens because your computer is trying to save power and also to keep you safe by locking after a specified time of inactivity. If you're going AFK and leaving your computer unattended, press Windows and L. This will lock your machine. Even if this next tip isn't working for you, this will. Never leave your computer unattended and logged in. Windows and L is a good habit to start. Now you can lock your machine at will, you're ready to change the settings to keep it on. We need to go to the display settings. A quick way is to right click on the desktop and select it from the menu. Now select power and sleep. As you're probably always plugged in when teaching, set the two drop down menus under the heading screen and sleep to never when plugged in. Now your screen won't switch off and the machine won't go to sleep to save power when you're plugged in. Remember you will need to manually lock the computer if walking away. For this week's visual version, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everybody and welcome back. Um, I am with my very special guest Raquel Ribeiro. Welcome, Ra- Raquel. Are you there? Can you hear me? Can you uh, can you say something, Raquel? Oh dear. Let me um, let me just invite Raquel again uh, and see if she can join us. I hope this works this time, Raquel. Let's see. I know you're there, but uh, I can't hear you. Okay, so Raquel is joining me from Brazil, and I hope that these technical problems are uh, only temporary. And we'll be talking to Raquel about virtual reality, augmented reality, and the metaverse, uh, which definitely are things that uh, Raquel knows a lot about. Um, Raquel, I'm just going to try bringing you in again. I'm inviting you as a speaker. 
but it doesn't seem to be uh, possible for you to speak and you're not showing as being a caller. Not sure why. So apologies, everybody, for the technical problems. Uh, while we're waiting for Raquel to to join me, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about my limited experience with the three subjects um, that uh, I've talked about that that I mentioned. We is the feature of the today's show. The first one, virtual reality. As a teacher, I haven't used virtual reality with students, but um, I have. Um, I'm just just asking Raquel to Raquel. Perhaps you could restart the app and see if that works. You know the old uh, the old thing of turning it off and turning it on again. It sometimes works. Let's hope that will work. And uh, maybe if you exit completely and come back in, then uh, then that will. That will definitely work. Let's hope. So, anyway, so my my experience of virtual reality um, for teaching, I haven't, I've never used it before. Um, I've always been interested in technology um, as a teacher, but virtual reality is something that I haven't really um, been able to use ever uh, with students, for example. But what I have done is I have experienced it. Um, as a as an audience member in an exhibition so um when i lived in montevideo there was a wonderful festival of virtual reality um art and documentaries that was put on by the sheffield documentary uh festival um called alternate realities and there were a couple of things that were really interesting uh, that I particularly uh, thought were great uses of of virtual reality. Let me just see if I can bring Raquel in again. There she is. Raquel, I'll come back to the uh, virtual reality festival later, but Raquel, hello. Hello, are you there? I can I can see you now as a caller, but I can't hear you. Can you press the mic and see if you can join us? Oh dear. So let me, uh, while Raquel tries to uh, just interrupt me, Raquel, and I'll continue talking about my experience um, in this virtual reality festival. So it was a, um, Sheffield in the UK, um, have a wonderful documentary festival, and they've been running for several years as part of that, a alternate realities, virtual reality, art and film festival, which is um, why uh, I ended up, uh, and this was um, this was brought to Latin America and to Montevideo where, where I worked. And um, I had the opportunity to experience this, and some of the the actual um, some of the actual uh, films were not particularly that interesting, to be quite honest. Hi. Hi, Raquel. Hi. Oh, can you hear um, me now? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm so happy that I don't All have to right, carry please. on. Carry on with my monologue about the uh, the the festival. Though we'll, I will come back oh. to it later. 
Hello, a, everyone. Thanks for the patience. Good to be that's here. Okay. Thank you, Raquel. You're, you're my first live guest. Uh, and this is the kind of thing um, that I was kind of worried about, which is why certainly the first two shows that I did, I only uh, I, I did recorded interviews, which I broadcast because, uh, yeah. because you know, as, as you and I both know, technical problems are, um, are very common. But I'm so happy that you could get in. Yeah. So... Uh, it's great to have you on here, Raquel. Um, so maybe before going any further, for the benefit of the listeners, would you like to expand a little upon what you do and what is it about mobile learning and today's uh, topics that you find so interesting? So hi, everyone. Thank you for the patience. Um, but this vibe of going live is great. And sometimes there are a few glitches here and there, but it's happening. So I'm Raquel Ribeiro, I'm an English teacher uh, from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I've been teaching for a very, very long time. And uh, since 2012, when the mobile devices in general, not only smartphones, but also tablets, started becoming accessible for the majority of people also here in Brazil, that's when I saw the potential of apps and the possibility to use them applied to the educational scenario where I work, which is teach English as a foreign language. And the two things that really impressed me first, uh, first of all, the accessibility, like I mentioned, and also the possibility for the inclusion of visually impaired students, uh, that's a personal experience I had, and other types of inclusion. So those are the chief things that have attracted me, and I have not stopped since then. That's fantastic. And I'll definitely ask you a little bit more to expand upon this idea of, you know, students with special educational needs, and how they can benefit for, for that. But um, first of all, I think if we can start with virtual reality, um, or VR. So that's the first of the three things I've asked you to talk about today. Uh, and I do remember I was in a wonderful workshop that you led at the IATEFL conference in the UK some years ago, um, where you had everybody playing with their, their mobile phones and Google Cardboard. Um, that was really, really exciting. And uh, for the benefit of listeners who might not know exactly what VR is, um, in case there are any out there, could you give us a brief outline of what it is and how you, what you need to be able to use it? Sure. Uh, this VR stands for virtual reality, and basically, um, to explain it in a simple way, uh, it's about videos which are recorded in 360 degrees for the purpose of enabling the immersive experience when a person... Uh, watches them, but the full experience requires what is called headsets or VR goggles or what I used, uh, the Google Cardboard Box, which is a kind of, um, let's say, a portal to integrate these videos into our eyesight and then along with the movement of our heads and eyes, then get to experience 
being in a place or visiting this place for a while. So that would be it in a nutshell. Fantastic. And could you tell us what you use VR for? Um, what educational applications have you found work with your students and why it is that you're particularly interested in, in, in this? Very well. Uh, when I, uh, back then, when in, 20, uh, in 2012, 2013, uh, when I started this research and got to understand the potential of apps, I also started blogging to share with all the teacher colleagues from the different countries uh, the things I was finding out as I was teaching. And when the, I have to take you a little bit on a trip down memory lane. Of course, of course. This context. So now we are traveling back to 2015. I was uh, already part of the Google Innovators team of teachers here in Brazil and we were frequently in touch. And then uh, in one of these communication meetings, we were introduced to mm -hmm. the virtual reality with the Google Cardboard box focusing on education. And I can remember the feeling of watching uh, the video. And uh, I, I will play just a little bit because maybe uh, you can experience that too, you know? Of course. Of course. Anywhere in the world that you want to go, where would you want to go? I would like to go to the new Thailand, ancient Greece, India, to Nigeria, my homeland. What? All right. Um, wow. I don't know. Hear that properly? Yes. Although I suddenly have some interference from you at the moment. I've just muted you, um, Raquel, because I was getting some some interference. Let me open the mic again and see if it's it's okay now. Oh, still got a problem. Um, it's like white noise. I'm I'm hearing. I'm not sure why. Okay, can you mute me again? I'll try something else. Still, hello. It still had white noise for me. Oh dear, that that was uh, the shame. Uh, are you listening? Yes. All right then. So, and this possibility, just going back to the purpose when we watched uh, this video by Google, was like, wow, it's so amazing. But the, the real concern had to do with the equipment, the cost of the equipment. This video is available on YouTube. If you type Google Cardboard Box Expeditions and then they show a school, uh, actually schools in different parts, in different continents. Uh, so when I watched that, I said, this is amazing. There's a huge possibility, a, a huge potential to work with languages, with language learning, and especially with the dream, because, you know, uh, when you live far away from the English-speaking countries, and we could consider so many, uh, there is also uh, a dream attached to the fact you learn in the foreign language. And I was thinking, okay, I haven't got that that would be a, a kind of a cupboard and, and the cardboards and the mobile devices and the tablet for the teacher. And I remember it was super expensive in American dollars. So I said, no way, <laughs> right? 
And then I started thinking, what can be replicated in the context I teach? So there are a few available devices and then the concept of BYOD, which is bring your own device uh, when the teachers um, take advantage of the fact some students have a, a smartphone and then use that in collaboration with the others who don't and then we achieve a common goal in this sense uh, of visiting places to get to know other countries. And, but there was another obstacle. Uh, I was not able to have uh, a headset or a Google Cardboard uh, VR set for each student. And then before I actually got to know about something that's very, very popular among teachers currently called rotation stations, I used precisely uh, that approach. So I bought online a real cardboard set, the very, very first one that was released in the market. And I said, okay, I have to find all the activities so that everyone along the timing of the class uh, at a time they're going to be able to use and experience this idea. And what is the idea then after considering how to organize the activity? Uh, it is to visit a place for a short amount of time, uh, something around a minute or two tops, and link that to the content being studied. So if you're studying, for instance, uh, history, so to describe what you observed in a language class, if, you, if you're learning an elementary level, learning how to describe places using there is, there are, I can see uh, that way. If you're teaching children the animals so they could visit a, a forest, for instance, uh, in Africa, and then get to say the animals they could see. So the, the main educational goal is to use this experience that has an impact on our brain, on our perception, and it's much stronger than just looking at a photo. And then from this experience, carry on with communicative activities. Fantastic, Raquel. I'm getting a little bit of feedback from you. I don't know if you could um, maybe mute your mic when you're not speaking. That would help. Is that, uh, yeah, I don't know why. I think probably when you switched on your um, mobile to, um, to, to, play the, to play the recording, that's when, when that was activated. I don't know. Um, so I'll, I'll mute when you're talking, and then if you do the same, and I think that should, be, uh, that should solve it. Could you talk, you mentioned before, Actually, no, first of all, so the idea of um, of using Google Cardboard, which is, I, I, I got one of those back in the day uh, as well, which is fascinating. The, you buy them from Google, of course, and they're, they're probably the, the cheapest type of VR headset you can get. Is that right? And that's why you'd recommend using that. Yeah, uh, that's precisely the reason. Uh, the one I bought was in a popular online shop, not even related to Google. And this is what I had in mind. 
And uh, when I got it, of course, it wouldn't be available for all the students at once. And every time we think of technology, uh, considering the context of classrooms and teaching, uh, it's important to focus on what is feasible to do and using a lot of creativity because uh, hardly ever are we going to have precisely the number of devices and amazing internet connections. So I think we, we should not consider this scenario. And somehow our students collaborate with us and they find ways around the difficulties so it happens. And yes, uh, using the Google Cardboard box, a very like the very first cardboard version of this headset uh, had to do with being something that uh, I could, we could afford uh, and replicate in the different uh, schools that I work. That's great. I um, I really like the idea that, uh, you know, VR doesn't have to be using the very expensive top of the range headsets that, uh, that are available and that we can do it a lot easier. One of the, to go back to one of the things you sort of touched upon earlier and then we'll move on to AR and the metaverse. Um, but before we move on, you, you did talk about work, working with students with special educational needs. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that and why it is that VR can 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 help um, help you with those? Sure. Uh, in the educational scenarios everywhere, but I think especially in the English language teaching one, we usually uh, don't get to work with special educational needs students very often, that often. And there is also the challenge of having to develop this speaking ability, this communicative ability in our learners. Uh, the first time I had a, a blind student in my class, and it was not a one-to-one -one class, there was a blind student within a group of 16 other students, uh, sighted students, let's say, and the challenge is how can I uh, enable this student to have a learning experience that is not completely dependent on me as the teacher to be the mediator? Because uh, there is the emotional aspect of learning and we all need support, but we like to feel that we can carry on and do things by ourselves. And that's when uh, we realized, I realized that my student back then, we are talking about 2013, 2014, when it started. And then I had all the experience, but this was the first time I, I had the, uh, this experience. He had a very, very simple mobile device and an earphone only on one ear because he needs the other to listen to what's going on in the environment. And I realized we could do things. And back then, I started researching the usage of QR codes without, uh, need, uh, without the need of an internet connection. You know? So I was using the, the plain text uh, feature and I decided to give it a try. And he was very receptive. So if you talk to uh, your student, uh, 
they will help you understand the context, their needs, and they will give you a, a feedback that has this common goal. Okay, how can we work together? And it worked, and it's amazing. I have this experience recorded. I presented uh, the details of this experience and the video recorded. I had the support of the school. The school even filmed uh, one of the classes so this could be replicated. And that was like, I had an idea and I communicated this idea with uh, to the student and I had the, the, the support of the school. And he realized, of course, I had to guide his arm so he could scan the, the code properly, but that uh, allowed him to have independence. So he would listen to the sentences of an exercise and he could interact in pairs or in trios. He would listen to the question, uh, you know, when you have pair work and you're teaching languages, there's a lot of, I ask a question, then you answer and we take turns. And suppose he did not memorize that, so he would go back. And that was much better than having a person telling him that uh, all the time. It wouldn't be a problem. But my point is, uh, if there are tools, these tools are available. It's important to, to make them part of our teaching routine because things are happening. And I'm talking about many years ago and before the pandemic. And what happened, just to, to summarize the story, is that the other students didn't want to look at the board with the questions, with the prompts and the sentences anymore. They would, you know, they started uh, scanning the QR code and having pretty much the experience the blind colleague was having. And this was just how we started that. Uh, back then, uh, Google Docs was not as developed as it was later on, a few years on, like 2015, for instance. And there are many other things uh, nowadays that can help with uh, students with special needs, uh, hearing disabilities or visual or other ways. And also in terms of learning styles, but that's also another conversation. Of course, of course. That's fabulous. Uh, thanks for sharing that. that. That isn't, of course, virtual reality, but is a great example of how technology can be an enabler. And perhaps you could you could talk about what you've just described as being something uh, maybe augmented reality. So definitely for your blind student, the uh, the this was this was the case. I think so. Just moving on to augmented reality or AR, um, what, what's that exactly? Uh, and wh what do you need to be able to use or to make use of that? Is it something that you've used a lot of or, or not so much? Well, uh, AR, the augmented reality, uh, simply stating, um, it has to do with uh, adding layers to the real world, digital layers to the real world. And the app, the way I see it, is kind of a portal to do that. Uh, back in 2017, 2018, when I started looking at the possibilities of AR and somehow primitive possibilities, 
uh, there was like a few apps and when I say few apps that would be two <laughs> where we would have to learn how to add the layer and when I research possibilities for English language teachers and I use and I replicate via blogging and giving workshops and lectures I say okay uh, it needs to be easy to access and not time consuming so that was the first obstacle uh, I'd like to illustrate, if you're not very familiar with this idea, uh, there was a very, very famous app, such like a fever, the Pokemon Go. So this is an example of an AR uh, app with those layers of reality. So the people who were into these would point and see one of the Pokemons and there were actions to be taken. Personally, even though I love technology, I don't, I'm not into this gaming thing. And in the sense of Pokemon Go, I personally found that even dangerous, depending on the context, but just to contextualize here. There are other usages for AR. When you are in a place and you point at a building, so uh, you get feedback from, from the app, uh, things about it, what to do, uh, best attractions, when it was founded, and all the things. It is possible also to be linked, and this requires, of course, AR is completely dependable on internet connection, internet connectivity. It takes you to other online possibilities, especially shopping. Uh, but there are good possibilities too, because you can, in the case of learning a language, get to understand how, how to say that word in English, for example. And then we teachers come up with the learning side of the activity to go beyond only uh, having this entertainment side of the activity. Uh, there are um, some cool, I wouldn't say amazing, but cool apps and you point, for instance, at an animal, they give you a few options there. And then you see this animal as if it were, again, the concept of a layer over reality through the mobile phone as a portal. And you see the cat up side and down and on the mug, on a table, on a computer and so on. So basically, this is the idea. What I have observed over the years, Brea, is that uh, back then, the apps would discontinue out of the blue. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start and I built the layers and suddenly the app was discontinued. Or, okay, I found another app and then it would have like a prime version, premium version, and then you would have to pay and uh, when I blog, especially I focus on what is available for free because of the educational context practically everywhere. So I decided uh, for, for, for the sake of uh, look, it's still uh, a bit uh, faulty and cannot really trust that. So I decided uh, to wait a little bit more uh, to put it on hold then. But then after some time, uh, and currently also available, there's Google Lens, and it's free, 
there have been improvements, even though it has been officially uh, discontinued in a sense, but, but the features are available. It's easier to use. It is mobile friendly, and I'm talking here Android devices because there's such a range of more accessible, affordable devices. And this is also another concern when dealing with technology in the context of teaching and learning and education. So it's not about using something trendy, expensive, tech, uh, just per se, but it's about how that resource can add up to the learning experience. And our brain, uh, when we look at a photo, there's an experience and it kind of vanishes much faster than when you experience this via movement. And this is what uh, virtual reality and augmented reality uh, brings to play. But again, as a teacher, uh, when we design an activity and we understand everybody gets so excited, oh, uh, the augmented reality, for example, but it's not about that only. There's a goal, there's our good hidden agenda. Yes, of course, it's very important, isn't it, to uh, to keep pedagogy at the forefront of things. That's uh, that's really interesting. I completely agree with you when you said, uh, you know, about these augmented reality, these AR apps, sort of appearing and disappearing, being discontinued, etc. I've um, I've had that experience myself. Um, I. Uh, unlike you, I'm very interested in gaming, and I'm particularly interested in in the potential of gaming with with learners as well, which um, which I've done quite a lot of. Um, and some of the AR apps that appeared seemed to be very interesting, and I did experiment a little bit with some of them. Um, one of them was called Orasma, which I think now has disappeared. Um, and other apps that allowed you to sort of, I, why. Well, I loved about it was the idea of being able to to have that secret layer wherever you were physically. So there were messages. Yeah. So I, you could leave um, messages for, for learners or for anyone um, in particular parts of the school, et cetera, and you could have them actually go and find them and leave their own messages and stuff, which I thought was quite interesting, uh, like that secret. And then just just before we move on the idea of pokemon go i think uh, my my little nephew james um he is fascinated with pokemon go and uh, he said he wants to come to mexico not to see me but to see if there are any exotic pokemons he can capture when he's here so it's quite interesting uh, when you hear that kind of when when kids in particular get that infused about everything, I think it's really interesting, definitely. So moving on from AR to the metaverse, but actually before, before I move on to the metaverse, I'm going to ask you a question because it's something I just found out yesterday, but you may well uh, know about it. Have you heard of the term XR? No, uh, not yet. How, how is that? Okay, so this is something that, as, as I said, literally yesterday um, I came across. So when I was preparing for the show and and publicizing it on Twitter, etc., um, I was contacted. Uh, this is one of the great things about doing doing this kind of thing. I was contacted by someone called Charlie Fink, 
um, on Twitter, Chol, at Jollyfink. And I recommend you follow him, Raquel, and anyone else out there who's interested in VIR, etc., and the metaverse. Um, and I got hold of his book. He's written a book on the metaverse and all about AR and VR, um, which is, is fascinating. I've just started reading it. But um, he also, just his stream, he's a columnist for Forbes, a tech columnist for Forbes. And so I came across this term XR through looking at this. And apparently it's the term that encompasses VR, AR, something called MR, which is mixed reality, which is in the middle between VR and AR. And um, the X, of course, stands for unknown variable, or some people have said it's called uh, extended reality. So it's a t term to, to kind of encompass all of the kind of experiences that you would have in the metaverse so there you are there's a new Great. there's a new definition for you yes so that, that's a good uh, i think a good link to the third topic that i wanted to talk to you about which is the metaverse which you know is something that we a lot of us who are interested in technology have started hearing more of which I believe is this idea of a VR and AR and XR enabled internet that Facebook in particular is investing heavily in. And I think they've, they've even renamed their, um, their organization, their company meta, uh, as a, as a kind of indication of how important they feel this will be in the future, which I think we need to take seriously. And as I understand it, this type of, um, well, the metaverse could be set to replace the kind of social networks we now have. We may all end up interacting in these 3D spaces online in the future. Do you think that's a fair description of what you think, uh, think the metaverse is and what's planned for the future? Well, it's certainly a, a starting point and uh, this prefix meta meaning beyond and the verse referring to the universe and the metaverse has to do with technologies coming together and we haven't got like a model oh it's exactly like this but it blends aspects of digital technologies and it's kind of blends video conferencing and games like uh, virtual reality related and social media and live streaming and the avatar a bit of uh, Lego looking avatar still but it's there and the most ambitious side of it uh, at least right now is getting to a point where this physical reality will merge with the digital universe which is really really Crazy. But again, uh, every time there's something new, if we travel back a few years and we look at the concept of what a mobile phone used to be in the beginning, now it's a smartphone and, and so on and so forth, we see there's a plan and there's a design and a dream projected, but there is what is actually possible to be used in the daily lives and this goes for everything. Uh, it requires using a more sophisticated VR set such as this Oculus Quest 
and it pairs up with a controller, but it's also possible to enable hand tracking, which I personally think would be more practical and enable voice commands. There are some concerns, and there's a journalist by the Wall Street Journal called Joan Stern, and she blogs about technology, and I really follow her. Uh, that's impo an important influence I have for my work as a, bro a blogger and a writer as well. And she put herself through an experiment uh, with the metaverse a few days ago, because every time we talk about the metaverse, we have to say a few days ago, because it was released by Meta and it was November. And then lots of things, I wrote about it in the end of November to December and this experiment by this journalist was generic. And if you go and track articles and opinions and experiences and projections, uh, related to the metaverse they are dated january 2022 and i think this is fascinating the way we are all looking at it and i'm not saying that wow it's so amazing we cannot be this naive there are lots of concerns as well and that's why we get to study about it and get to know and see what can be applied or not so uh, and especially being a teacher but uh the one thing that I see about it, and she mentioned, is that she tried uh, being on the metaverse for 24 hours. So for that, uh, she went, she checked in a hotel room with the, the equipment, and she did everything in the metaverse. And obviously, she didn't feel well, and she describes her experience in a video and in the article. And this is something that I have been talking about since the beginning of uh, using and integrating virtual reality to teaching. There are health concerns we cannot, there are many uh, things that we should be aware of in terms of our inner balance, to, to put it in a simple way, in terms of being completely focused on a screen via a headset. So she felt headaches and she felt dizzy, obviously, because we are humans and thanks God for that. And, and that's not the purpose. But of course, she was doing the experiment to come up with ideas. So if this side, okay, let's see how it goes. And what I see as a teacher is that right now the equipment is really expensive. And it involves, especially if you consider the avatar side of things, a lot more complex, but it brings great potential. If you think that when learning a language, the interaction, repeating, asking questions, answering, agree, disagree, and say sentences, they're all part of a step-by-step -step approach so that one can become fluent in a language and for a while, the metaverse could be that. And think of remote learning, distance learning. There are interesting things. But right now, what we've got in my perspective is the metaverse, uh, the, the virtual reality, as a portal to get to understand 
how the metaverse is going to work. How can we shift from not using anything at all to the metaverse? So my point is, we have a lot more advances and it's a lot more accessible uh, for schools, for our learners, with the concept of using the learners' uh, mobile devices um, as a, a possible equipment. There is a lot in this sense from virtual reality. So we, we are in another moment, you find videos in the YouTube, so uh, the, the app Expeditions was discontinued, but it takes you to the Google Arts and Culture and their amazing tools uh, for knowledge and for language learning. Students can decide where to go, at the city and the museum, for example, and talk about works of art. And this is one experience I had with my elementary two learners uh, last year, and it's in my uh, Instagram if anyone wants to see uh, how it goes. So I see virtual reality in this moment as a preparation for this integration in the metaverse, which is not here yet in the sense of how it was, it is imagined, it is designed. And we are still in the early days. But if we keep trying and uh, using this wisely, Chances are that when the metaverse, when there are more elements, then this transition will be uh, a note more natural. That's how I see it. Excellent. Thank you, Raquel. Yeah, I think, as you said, it's very early days, isn't it, for the metaverse? And I think I've, I've been looking, I read your article, which is wonderful, and some others about educational um, potential of the metaverse. And I think there's definitely something there. I think there does seem to be a little bit of a backlash as well ag against uh, it. I think Facebook in particular, because they're behind it, I think, or, or, or um, receiving some criticism from lots of people about all sorts of things. Um, but I think if we look on it optimistically, there's kind of potential, I think. I mean, I see perhaps a potential the biggest potential would be for online learning because if you're trying to have some kind of experience from home for example during the pandemic as as um as students and teachers uh switch to to being um connecting with others from home a lot of the time then one of the problems with that is this sort of flat screen um, kind of talking head kind of experience, which is if you're able to put on a VR headset, if you're on your own and connect in that way, then you can have a much more rich uh, and memorable experience, which is, which is what I'm all for, I think. To try and make online learning memorable is the most important thing, I think. Uh, so there's that. So I see the metaverse as being, uh, as offering that as a, as its main potential for online learning. What I don't see is, is groups of students, for example, putting on VR headsets in the classroom as a matter, you know, from as a, as a kind of novelty to do once in a while, perhaps, if there's a good reason for doing it. But I don't see that happening in a physical school setting. Or am I missing something? Enlighten me, Raquel. Yeah, 
<laughs> I agree with you, uh, primarily uh, for the online setting. But from my experience dealing with groups of students, um, first time they attempt to do something, it's important that they get to understand how it goes. And when the teacher is physically there, let's say, considering in-person context, it gives them the confidence to give it a try when at home. I think this has more to do with psychology or how confident we feel. And maybe if we're not that confident, then we say we refrain from trying. And I've observed this with the usage of apps, with the usage of uh, virtual reality, with uh, collaboration, online collaboration, hybrid collaboration. And it's like, okay, I'm here with you. Let's give it a try. And then they ask questions and so on. And that's an important thing to consider. Uh, first attempts will be a bit messy. And it's important to understand that this is part of the learning curve of using anything. So do not come, like, you give it a try. It was not exactly how you programmed, how you saw it coming, but it is also positive because the second attempt, you know, will go uh, smoother and possibly things are going to become uh, much easier. And again, not every class. Uh, and of course, I agree with you that it is probably better uh, for online or, or hybrid contexts if we consider that. A very positive uh, look at the moment, we are right now with this digital growth during the pandemic where teachers have learned a lot more on how to use technology beyond presenting and going and attaching things, but uh, promoting collaboration and sharing this with the learner because there are many other demands considering the adult learners, for example. Uh, everything you study uh, as learning a language, learning a foreign language, is because uh, probably one of your major concerns is how to use that in the world of work you know, when you are looking for another job or another position. And it's so important that we keep in mind this goal. Uh, and there is also this digital growth uh, considering parents and the children. And I see it as a moment, uh, of course, to experiment. But again, virtual reality or augmented reality or something that is preparing us for the metaverse uh, should not be considered as everyday practice. So, of course, we, we love talking about technology, Graham, because we are kind of early adopters mm. and we like testing and let's see how it goes. And we in different parts of the world, and I think we, we can gather these experiences from different contexts. But one thing that gets uh, misunderstood very often is that, oh, we give a virtual reality-based class. It's not like that, you know, and it's important to be considered. Yeah, no, very wise word, words, uh, Raquel, definitely. I think we're run, we've run out of time. Um, so what I'd like to do is just is thank you very much for joining me today uh, and talking about this. 
I'm even more convinced I need to start exploring uh, VR, AR, and the metaverse more to read about it, to try and understand it, because I think uh, there's definitely something there that that is going to be important in the future, I think. So thank you very much for coming uh, in today and, and talking about that, Raquel. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for the people listening. And I think we should keep the conversation and share, ask questions so that we can learn more. Thank you very much. Definitely. And I'm going to f finish because I, I started when you were having trouble getting in today, Raquel, um, telling a little story about my experience of v a VR exhibition. Um, and there were, you know, I think I finished by saying that most of the films I saw left me kind of not very impressed um, or not very impressed of the, that the technology was being, you know, made a big difference apart from two exceptions one of them was interviews with real prisoners um from inside their cells and they were talking about how uh how they got um involved in crime and um you know their regrets uh and what prison was like and actually being in a 3d space with the prisoner being standing right next to them very up close uh, to the prisoner and being able to look around and the atmosphere in the in the prison was very frightening and i thought it was it was a fascinating use of virtual reality for that so that was one of them and then the other one which moved me a lot was uh, something called uh, Future Aleppo, and you can look it up there's a website Future Aleppo which was a an interview with a child um, who was talking about how uh, he was a refugee, of course, and had to leave Aleppo. And Aleppo, the town that he knew, was totally destroyed. And his idea was he wanted to be an architect so he could rebuild Aleppo. And what he'd done was create a, a cardboard model of Aleppo. And as the voiceover happened you could actually go wherever you want you could actually follow his directions when he was talking about the actual um place that you know had been destroyed that he'd rebuilt in cardboard or you could go wherever you wanted as well and that was really quite moving and i thought that definitely showed me that virtual reality had a, a way of uh, really um touching uh, upon something that you wouldn't be able to do if it was just watching uh, a plain video. And on that point, thank you once again uh, to the wonderful Raquel Ribeiro for joining me. And remember, there are Teachers Talk radio shows all week. The next show today, I believe, is with Lucy Neuberger at 6pm GM GMT. And join me uh, next week at the same time for another morning break. Bye for now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.